and welcome back to The Weird, your undoubtedly favorite podcast. Yeah, we know. <laughs> That's right. Welcome to The Weird, where fun magic will happen at every turn. On tonight's episode, I'm going to produce a rabbit out of this hat. Oh my god, that's Rocky and Bullwinkle. Ta-da! Hey Rocky, watch me pull the rabbit out of my hat. Again? Have I talked about this, about how I had an idea for a magician's album back in like the 90s? A magician's like recorded album? (laughs) Yeah, with no audience or anything. It would just be the magician being recorded doing his act. That's very Andy Kaufman of you. And it'd be so like, and now I'm going to cut this lady in half. Shh, 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 shh. Yeah. Ta-da! Huh? That's the most Andy Kaufman thing I've ever heard you uh, say. That. He just would do be a that. series of these things that you would just have to imagine. <laughs> the best part of it was that like, it wouldn't even be anything fantastic like, I'm going to make the Eiffel Tower disappear. It would be like just very mundane, boring things. Like, now... I'm going to make Riley disappear. Ta-da! Huh? Huh? You know what? I still haven't recovered from the last episode. You're still unsettled. It's unsettled. That was an unsettling one. You threw some. Uh, you threw some very twisted stuff at us last uh, last time, some my friend. Sleepless nights, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. It's just because it all felt so real. You know, and all these, you know, very earnest priests and stuff getting in, involved. It just felt all so very... Earnest priests who didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. No one's searching for fame or fortune. Is I meant to ask you, can I ask you one more thing about last week's episode? Sure. <laughs> is, is Ron, his name is Ron, right? Well, Ronald or Robbie. Well, whatever. Uh, I don't care. I don't care. Is he still alive? Perhaps. No one has been able to ascertain. I, there was one source that I found that claims to know the true identity of the person. Uh, and this person is saying his name is uh, Ronald and, uh, and, and, the, and then gave the family last name. So he would be now, he would be in his 80s. So yeah, it's possible. But again, how do you know if we don't exactly know who the person is? I'm just surprised he didn't write a memoir. He didn't ever grant like an interview to Oprah or, you know, someone like that. It's yeah, He wanted okay. his privacy. So he vanished into um into the ether. Mhm. Dan, you want to hear something weird? Yeah, yes, I do, Riley. Okay, well this week I'm going to see I do it. I follow the rules, you don't. <laughs> this week I'm going to tell you, Dan, the story of the haunted Phoenix gold mine. Okay, so you mentioned this to me. In the first couple seasons, Riley and I would surprise each other with the shows. We don't talk. We don't plan the shows with each other. We are in our own separate little silos doing our research. It's more fun that way, I think, uh, for the, the one receiving the story. But we are at the point now where we're starting to make sure that we're not doing the same story because that will happen, I think, if eventually if we just, you know, put the blinders on, eventually we'd run into a, oh my God, you're doing the same thing I've been researching. Well, I'd like to say though we still surprise each other. I don't often tell you what I'm doing. Like there's a lot of times where you'll just hear it for the first time well, that and you night. lie. <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a good liar. Like you told me that you were doing this week, you, were to- you told me you were doing the Island of Sodor about these talking trains. No, that's um, that's your fantasy world that you've created for yourself. That Ringo Starr was narrating and Thomas 
Uh, you're babbling, Dan. Dan, you're just babbling. Because the train tracks were glistening with rain, and he slowed him down. I have friends whose uh, children got into Thomas, and they all they would ever say to me was, oh my God, that shit's expensive. It, it really is. And Connor, uh, my son, did get into it. And they outgrow it in like five months. They, everyone yep. said they are out of it in five months. It, it, it was about a year and a half. Yeah. And it was yeah, so cool, though. We, we built this nice table, and I started, because I thought it was kind of fun, building the village up and all that. And, and anyway, it's very cool. And then he was out of it. I think we still have it. Boy, I could probably get a lot of money for that. Good listener, if you are looking for a Thomas uh, the Tank Train thing, uh, you know, call me uh, on the weird office uh, phone, and I'll be happy to sell that to you. You really still have it. I do. Good. I wish I'd kept half the toys I had when I was a kid. Oh, my God, I'd be rich. Mm -hmm. Okay. You want to hear the story? See, I I like to try to find places that are not traditionally things you would think of as being haunted. And tonight we're going to talk about a mine. Gold mine. I think they're creepy as all hell. Yeah, I do too. Ever since Snow White. When I was a kid, Snow White was my first introduction to the mining community. You know, with Mm -hmm. the, we dig, 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 dig from early morn till night. It's those dwarves. Even Tom Sawyer, the sequence that takes him down into the mines and all that. That's dark and creepy. Mine's creepy. So tonight, Dan, we're in Idaho Springs, Colorado. Okay. I like Colorado. I've been to Colorado. Colorado Springs was fun. Went to a very famous place called Cave of the Winds when I was there. Oh, interesting. So we're at an elevation today of 82,000 feet. So we're high up. Now, some things about mines I'm just going to scatter throughout the episode. The internal temperature of mines, this never occurred to me until I started to do the research for the podcast, is generally 42 to 54 degrees. So really? mining is a, yeah, mining is very cold. And a lot of mines are heated. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Does it depend on where you are in the world? Yes, of course. And does it depend on maybe the depth? Yes, it depends on the depth. The deeper I would imagine you go, as you go deeper, it would get hotter. No, the deeper you go, the cooler it gets. Interesting. Yeah. The mine in question was initially established in 1871 by a miner named Miner. <laughs> miner the miner. Seriously, okay. it's true. Yeah, he then sold the mine to a Cornishman who worked it for many years. In 1930, it was sold again to a real estate investor for $20,000 that was owed in back taxes. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I'd never heard of this. Okay, this is so fucking shady. At that time, rumor has it he salted the mine. Do you know what that that is? No. You take bits of gold, you load them into a shotgun, and you fire them into the walls of the mine. Oh. So people come in and go, look, there's gold, and here's gold. And he sold it. So he sold the mine to two Minnesota farming families named Gunderson. Mm. They had to be named Gunderson, right? For $5,000. He just wanted to get rid of it. And they expanded the mine, and um, despite his his ruse, they did indeed find gold in the Phoenix huh. mine. In 1943, President Roosevelt closed all the gold and silver mines so that miners could be used to work and acquire the minerals that they needed for the war effort. So the Phoenix right. mine was closed at that time in 1943, mm-hmm. and the Gunnersons moved on to other work. By that time... They had acquired pretty significant wealth thanks to the uh, gold that the mine yielded. After World War II was over, only a few, I didn't know this, only a few of the closed mines that of that kind reopened in the U.S. I didn't know that. Interesting. It was just no longer cost effective. Gold and silver. Yeah. In the 1950s, because gold and silver started to come from other places in the world. Ah. In the 1950s, the Phoenix mine, the mine we're talking about, was leased to three partners. 
And they, I love this story. This is just so 50s. They retrieved just enough of the leftover gold dust to allow them each to purchase a brand new Cadillac. Mm-hmm. In 1972, the mine was purchased for $5,000 again by its current owner. And he's a gentleman named Al Mosh. And he has maintained the mine and added to the original structure. And he allows tours through the mine. Okay, so not an active mining enterprise, but a tourism destination now. Both. Oh, okay. Yeah, both. He has tours, but it it has been a working mine. I don't think it is anymore because he's quite old. But he did work the mine as well, and he did quite well with it. Okay. General comments here. Working conditions in mines, I don't think I'm telling you anything you didn't already know or guess, were horrible. Miners were routinely wounded or killed, mm-hmm. and it was just understood to be the nature of the work. The mine, the Phoenix mine, I've seen lots and lots of video footage of it, is rough-hewn and narrow. It's really claustrophobic. It's not one of the big mines that you see these days with the big, you know, where they can get a hold of right. little, they have that little locomotive transport yeah. thing. No, 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 no. This is a narrow, narrow tunnel. It's actually worse than the tunnels in Dover Castle. Oh, Wow. Not a fun place to be. So why would that be? Because they're they're not um, they're they're trying to mine towards, I guess, gold deposits or silver mm-hmm. deposits. They're not worrying about making a big space. They just need enough room to get exactly tool. okay. And they're not rich miners. They're not huge mining conglomerates. Right, 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 right. right. They're just small operations. There had once been a cave-in at the mine, and it was likely that miners died in that incident. Oddly enough, there is no evidence of that. And I searched the internet. Of all I think the podcasts that I've ever done, this has been the one that I researched the most because it was so hard finding fucking information. Hmm. What do you do? So when you run into that problem, because I've run into the, and I'm bringing this up because I actually think this is an interesting thing to, as a side bit here, Mm -hmm. because the internet is, is, I find it very frustrating. It is very frustrating to get to stuff. It is good stuff. Yeah, it is. I'm not really interested in anonymous Reddit users posts. To be honest, I really Actually, am not. Actually, no, 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 no. Never discredit Reddit because some... Oh, I just came up with a phrase. Never discredit Reddit. Reddit. I've gotten some really good information because there's people out there who work on solving mysteries and things okay. on Reddit and they have beautiful subreddits about stuff. Okay. And I've actually had information either confirmed or... That's, what's the opposite of confirmed? Denied. Denied. From reading Okay, hold Reddit. on a second. Can you guys stop slamming the doors? That was great. I'm leaving that in. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, Reddit can be very useful because there's some very serious okay. Pe- folk on Reddit. Okay. One of the mines in the area is also called, uh, known as the Union Tunnel, and it's still there, and it dates back to the 1800s. And there is no history on that particular mine at all, and everyone in the area calls it the Mystery Mine. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story. On a Sunday in 1959, two men were searching for uranium deposits near the mine. Rumor has it they were working on behalf of the military, and they were accompanied by their wives. They were in a car. They left their car to search an area that was up a walking trail. So they said to their wives, just stay here. It was quite a steep walking trail. We're going to go up the walking trail. While they were gone, a gentleman named Gillespie, who identified himself as Gillespie, approached the car, stopped and spoke with the women. He was very cordial and very, very nice. And the women explained why they were there. And then he went in the direction of the uh, of, their, of their husbands who had gone up the trail. Mm. A while later, he returned. And again, he spoke very 
cordially to the women, and then he left. Now, the women waited and waited for their husbands to return, and finally, in frustration, they decided to go and investigate for themselves. They were horrified to find that their husbands had both been shot in the head. Oh, my God. Rumor had it that this Gillespie gentleman had recently been released from an insane asylum for multiple homicide. Oh. So he was he went up and shot their husbands. So, uh, sorry, and was this near the Mystery Mine? It's No, it's near the uh, Phoenix Mine. The very, Phoenix Mine. Very, very, very close by. The Mystery, the Union Tunnel, though, is very close to the Phoenix. If you go down the Union Tunnel, at one point in the Union Tunnel, in the Union Mine, you're like about two feet away really? from one of the tunnels in the Phoenix Mine. Like huh. if you excavated through it, you would get there. Hmm. So the remains of two men are buried in the Phoenix Mine. And one of them is actually legally buried in the mine in keeping with a request that was contained in his last will and testament. The guy is named Ray Collins, but most folk around there refer to him as Uncle Ray. And he is said to be, have been, and he said it himself, a practitioner of black magic, the oh, dark arts. And he referred to himself as being a warlock. Oh, and he was a miner? No, he worked as a tour guide at the mine. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I I thought that this was like 1890s or something. And no, no, no. This no, is in okay. this is in recent times. Okay. Anyway, when he died, he asked that his ashes be put in the mine, and they were. They're behind a locked door, so visitors can't go in and play with them. I don't mm-hmm. know why you would want to do that, but you can't. Mm-hmm. Visitors to the Phoenix Mine routinely report hearing disembodied voices and actually seeing spectral shapes while inside the mine. Mm. They also hear the distant sound of mining activities. Witnesses have also heard spectral voices calling their actual names. Oh, weird. Yeah. Yeah. So people go in like you would go in and you'd hear a voice go, Dad. And I go, Mom. That's the way my mom talks to me Dan bring me some sarsaparilla have you ever had sarsaparilla no it's a drink right yeah I'm, I'm not either next time I'm in the south I'll try to find some Isn't it like root beer maybe it might be I often think though it's alcoholic I don't know why and mint julep no I had a mint julep now the shapes that they see in the mine are almost always in mining garb and it carrying mining lights. One guest is actually reported having had a detailed conversation with a spirit. And at the time, she thought she was talking to a real guy. And then when she exited the mine, she's like, I just talked to this guy. And they were like, what guy? And she described what he was wearing. And they're like, no, there's nobody around looking like that or talking like that. And it was a ghost. Many when, visitors have also, oh, what? what? So when, like, And this is recent times, these, yeah. these accounts? On the up tours. To, up to like weeks ago. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's very routine. Many visitors have experienced light taps on their shoulders. Also, um, demonic, not demonic, um, supernatural beings touching their hair. And there's also an entity that orders the visitors to get out. Mm. The cave-in site where the cave-in occurred is an area that is considered to be a paranormal hotspot. So a lot of paranormal investigators have gone there. And this is likely, pretty obviously, due to the deaths that would have been associated with a cave-in. Because yeah. the cave-ins were occurring back in the probably pre-40s or you know somewhere around there when they didn't have a lot of technology or equipment to rescue miners. I mean, mm-hmm. cave-ins 
often meant death. Mm-hmm. When my parents grew up, a bell would ring. And if the bell rang, you knew that a cave-in had occurred at the mine. Because, you know, my grandfathers were both coal miners. In, in Cape Breton? No, 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 in Nova Scotia. Well, Bay that's of Funday. Cape, that's... That's not Cape Breton at all. Um, no, but Nova Scotia. Yeah, Nova Scotia. Is, and the bell would go off and everybody's blood would just go cold. Yeah, yeah. And they would all, the women would grab the kids and throw on clothes and head to the mine. And that's, I guess, what I'm getting at too with mines. There's so much death associated. I mean, it's arguably the most dangerous, grueling job on the planet. The hardship of it, just the hardship of that life alone being paid shitty wage Mm -hmm. and being forced to do like the most dangerous, grueling work in the dark, in the cold. Uh. That's also impacting your health, right? They're they're inhaling toxic substances. I told you my grandfathers were both dead before they were 50. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, one of them from lung cancer and the other from bone cancer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you do the math. I'm just surprised no one's ever done a class action, but I think these law, I think these um, uh, mining companies are long gone, so there's no one to sue. Right. Okay, so this is going to carry us to the next part of the podcast, because tonight I'm giving you a twofer. Hmm. My first ever twofer. You're getting drunk? You want a twofer? Uh, I, look, I'm trying not to drink during the week. You look like you need a twofer. So, the mine, the Phoenix mine, the deep dark brooding mine is also said to be the home of Tommy Knockers. Oh, like the Stephen King character. Nothing like them at all. Aren't they aliens? He, the I don't know what he thought he was talking about, but after I researched this, I was like, well, you know, Stephen King, you're Tommy, no- your version of Tommy Knockers is completely different than the myth. Because remember he had that rhyme late last night and the night before. Tommy Knockers, Tommy Knockers knocking at my door. Want to go out, but don't know if I can because I'm so afraid of the Tommy Knocker man. That was in his book. And in the book, aren't they aliens though? Yeah, I hated that book. So I, I, I it was one of my least favorite Stephen King. Oh, you're researching now. No, I'm actually just shutting my computer off because it's making weird noises. Okay. I'm now going to switch gears in the podcast which i've never done before really and we're now going to talk about tommy knockers tommy knockers are one of the most prevalent superstitions if not the most prevalent superstition among the mining community and they still haunt the miners to this day wow i never knew this i didn't either the legends date back centuries and are cornish in origin so for our listeners out there if you're wondering what cornish it's from cornwall england Germans actually have an equivalent legend known as the Burgeister. I love Geister, anything poltergeist with Burgeister, which means mountain ghosts or little miners. Hmm. Now, the Cornish, who we're going to talk about most heavily tonight, believe that these creatures are the souls of the Jews who crucified Christ. What? Yeah, it's so specific. They believe that they're the Jews that crucified Christ and now they're trapped on earth. Weird. And, funnily enough, the sounds of the tom- that the Tommyknockers make were traditionally never heard on a Saturday or during Jewish festivities. Oh, weird. Okay, so why would these spirits go to Cornish mines? Because that's where they were sort of sent as punishment. They're Just sent the to the ends of the earth. And yeah, really unpleasant yeah. place to haunt, right? That's wow. what they believe. Now, they are the underground cousins of the Piskies and the Vogs. 
And if you've done any research or study about the um, fairies and if yep. you've read any Neil Gaiman, you'll know that who they are, the Piskies. We commonly refer to them now as Pixies and the Vogs, yep. and they inhabited the British Moors. Well, who were who the Vogs? Well, the Vogs were also another of a fairy folk. Okay. Kind of diminutive creatures like that from the, okay. the realm of fairy. Yeah, and when we say fairy, it's not like the cute, tiny little it's not uh, Tinkerbell. Tinkerbells. Yeah, not Tinkerbell yeah. at all. In fact, no. they, they can often be quite sinister. And vicious. Mm-hmm. More like Puck. Right. Puck is a more, Shakespeare's Puck is a more rounded version of fairy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, those entities traditionally haunted the British Moors. Now, the Tommyknockers, they've been described as small, gnomish men wearing miner's garb. They're approximately two feet in height and slightly greenish in hue because they're always underground. They had large heads, long arms, wizened faces, and white whiskers. This reminds me of Gollum. Uh-huh. In the, in the mountains, greenish, pale, lanky, dangerous, demonic in a way. Do you know I never even thought of that? And it would make sense, too, that Tolkien would have been influenced by Cornish. Because he, he had a lot of, like, well, biblical and Norse mythology. Oh, he mythology. was a mythology expert. It was incredible, his grasp of mythology. Yeah, yeah. So the Tommyknockers, despite their kind of stupid name, they're a distinct race of creatures. They toiled in the shadows, and they could not leave the mine in which they were situated unless they were officially discharged when the mine closed. Hmm. Now, Tommyknockers are accredited with both good and bad deeds. So they, they it was like a teeter-totter with them. You never know what you're going to get. They first appear in American lore in the 1820s, so quite far back. So American lore, but what about British lore? Yeah, they've been in British lore. F- further. So they arrive in North America in 1820s. I'm going to tell you why. Cornish miners were working in Pennsylvanian coal mines and brought mm. the legend with them. Mm-hmm. So why do we have all these Cornish miners? Well... These folk were known throughout the world as leaders in mining practices and mining technology, which I never knew, and were regarded as the most capable hard rock miners in the entire world. Cornish miners were sought after. So in the 19th century, mining was exploding in America, and the economy demanded coal, copper, iron, silver, silver, gold, and other precious minerals. So the Cornish came over to help out. And as more and more Cornish miners came to America, the legend of the Tommyknockers came with them and began to spread. So how did the Tommyknockers get to America? Well, this is how that was answered in the legends. The miners believed that those entities had hidden themselves in their luggage and possessions. Hmm. So they came over in the suitcases. So they're not, they're, they're an actual physical being. They're not ghost spirits. Nope, they're not spirits. But they have spirit, they have supernatural powers. And they're, I'm, I'm guessing then they don't die. They're, they're not, they're immortal. They're probably immortal, but they can vanish after they've been discharged from service. Okay. Why the name Tommyknocker? Well, first of all, and I'm not going to pronounce it this way because I can't. I tried and I keep forgetting. It is pronounced Knacker. Huh. So it's Tommy Knacker. But it makes me sound like a Newfoundlander. Hey there, Tommy Knacker. So what, what does Knacker mean? The name was given to them simply because of the knocking sounds that okay. often occur before a, um, a cave-in at the mines. Oh. Because when mines cave in, there's the, these very distinct sounds that sound like knocking. We know now, thanks to science, that those sounds are caused by shifting earth and straining timbers and supports. However, right. the miners believed that it was the Tommy Knackers 
hammering away in the darkness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some regarded the knocking sound as a sign of imminent good fortune, but most believed that it was indeed a sign of impending doom. Now, in the mining community, not believing in the Tommyknockers was a giant mistake, given that if you didn't believe in them, they would bring bad fortune or even death to you. Mm -hmm. So if you're like, I don't believe in that, it's stupid, Mm -hmm. like, you'd die. Mm -hmm. There was also a system, a bit of a codified system attached to the knocking. And a lot of the miners believed that two knocks meant dig here and three knocks meant don't dig here because there would be water or gas. Mm. So they regarded that the Tommyknockers were kind of helpful in a way, guiding them through the mines and telling them where the proper places to dig were. They were also known to work side by side with the miners. So they, they toiled in the darkness. They didn't just cause mischief. They were actually working down there. And, and are, were there reports of the miners seeing them working? Well, of course. Or just hearing them? No, working. they saw them all the time because they were superstitious folk. Now, a lot of miners in that community would not enter a mine to work unless they were convinced that Tommyknockers were on duty. So the Tommyknockers had taken on this identity of being protective totems for the miners. So yeah. they needed to have the Tommyknockers in their minds for them to feel safe. I wanted to ask you, uh, did they ever end up sort of developing a, a, a ritual of worship for these things? Uh, Never got to that. Okay. Yeah. So because they, they, I'm assuming being Cornish, they're also Christian. So they would still have their belief in God and Jesus and all that. But stuff. a thousand but the, superstitions to go with yeah. it. The deeper you excavated, they believe, the higher would be the likelihood of you encountering Tommyknockers. Now, these creatures were also notorious pranksters, and they would engage in really awful little tricks like eating your lunch. They'd also steal your tools. They would turn off your lights, and they would also, in the darkness, pinch the miners. I love that they'd pinch them. It was it's just such a specific thing. Like, not trip Are them. Are you sure you're not a Tommyknocker? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Now, the legend of the Tommyknockers also speaks of them calling the names of individual miners in order to lure them deeper into the dark, dark shaft. So they would mm-hmm. say, Dan, this way, Dan. And the miner, a lot of the miners would get lured into the darkness and fall down huge. Well, why the hell would you follow a voice in the dark? I think it was kind of like sirens. I think you would become mesmerized oh, by right. it. But don't quote right. me on that. Now, one famous example of this was the unfortunate case of a gentleman named Hank Bull. Hank Bull heard the voice of a small boy lost in a tunnel. So the Tommyknockers would pretend to be other creatures. They'd be like, help me. So the boy was like, help me, help me. I can't get out. I'm so lost. And when Hank Bull went to search for the boy, the ceiling immediately collapsed on him and he was instantly killed. Poor Hank. Where, where, so where does that account come from? Like, did other people hear this as well? And it's a so, mining legend. It's a legend, okay. Yeah. Another encounter with the Tommyknockers involved seven miners who heard a tapping sound coming from deep within the mine they were working in. Well, three of those miners laughed and shouted, Come on then, Tommyknockers, show us what you can do. Well, the four remaining miners instantly fled, and they could actually see the Tommyknockers running just ahead of them. Behind them, the mine collapsed, and the three doubting miners who mocked the Tommyknockers were buried under tons of solid rock. Bum, bum, bum. The miners also believed that it was incredibly unlucky to whistle when inside a mine because it offended the Tommyknockers. They are not a fan of whistling. 
Do you want to hear some other mining superstitions? I had no idea that there was this intricate lore that was brought over. Now, and, and these stories, mm-hmm. did they carry then to like American miners eventually? These are American miners I'm talking about. But they're Cornish. They're Cornish descent. The cor- it's in American mines to this day. Interesting. Yeah. And they, they held the same beliefs that they do over in Britain. The Pennsylvania yeah. coal miners, you can see them interviewed everywhere. Yeah. And they will talk about their encounters with the Tommyknockers. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. So the Cornish men, I guess I should clarify, the Cornish folk brought this legend over and it immediately took hold in the US. So these aren't just Cornish men talking. These are all miners. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about, this is not Tommyknocker specific, but um, some other superstitions that I came across when doing my research about this, about working in mines, and I thought they were funny. So I'm going to tell you about them. A woman should never go into a mine, especially if she's a redhead. Well, I mean, that that makes sense. (laughs) I don't know why it's specifically targeted at redheads, but yeah. If a miner's clothing slipped off the storage hook, have you ever seen how they store clothing in mines? Have you ever seen that? Nope. Okay. They, you should see the movie North Country because it'll show you that. But um, what they do is they put their pit clothes, which are coveralls, on hooks and raise them above the ground. Okay. They're hanging on hooks. So if that clothing slipped off the storage hook, it meant that the miner who owned that outfit would soon have a bad fall. Oh. If a miner's headlamp is burning dimly, it signals that his wife was out with another man. Well, that makes sense. That's my favorite one. Yeah. I love that one. Because <laughs> you know that the guys would screw around with that too. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and you know, could you blame them, these women? Mm-hmm. It's a hard life. Yeah. For them, I mean, the women. Now, here's a sweet one. Here's a sweet little tale. After their shifts, miners would often leave a few seats empty at the bar so that the phantom tom- tommy knockers could join them in their after work reveries. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I like so that. there was an affection for these Tommies. Yeah, yeah, I think that's mm. kind of sweet. Like it's in, you know, there's bars where um, famous, not famous, but bars where patrons, beloved patrons, have died, and you're never allowed to sit in that stool again. It's kind of like that. Yep. They would leave these stools for the Tommy knockers because they believed they brought them good luck. Over time, the legend of the Tommy knockers began to transform. The knocking was then said to have been caused by dead miners who were warning the living of an impending accident. Now, here's something else of the Tommyknockers. They say the Tommyknockers could do. Many miners reported seeing a small glowing light, and then it would, be comp- it would be accompanied by an odd mist that would ultimately turn into the ghostly figure of a dead miner. Mm. So Tommyknockers could conjure images of deceased miners to fool the miners. To thank the Tommyknockers or secure the protection Miners would routinely leave offerings of food and other valuable items in the mines for the Tommyknockers. Kind of like Buddhist shrines almost. Well, that, I guess that's what I meant by ritual. Yeah. Like, did they do little things to try and curry favor with them? That was the only one I came across. Now, in some extreme cases, mines had to be closed because the miners' fear of the Tommyknockers was so profound, no one would work in those specific locations. And when a lot of mines closed uh, because of just lack of mining interest in the u.s i mean that waned probably after what the 60s mm-hmm. when a lot of mines began to close the miners would insist that that the owners of the mines would discharge the tommy knockers so they would say okay you're free to go and you might not know the answer but 
when you say discharge, do you mean that their souls are finally released and they can ascend to heaven or they're just, they can go to a different place? Well, no, these aren't priests. They're just mine owners. So they would just say, you don't have to work here. You're, you're, thank you. You're, you know, your work is no longer needed here. You're released. Where, where would they go? I don't know where they go. A mall? I don't know. Wherever these entities would go. An arcade? And a lot of times the miners would insist that this ritual be performed. Is there a legend or a story that connects the release of these Tommy Knockers then becoming uh, mannequins and seers? Have you been drinking again? Have you been hitting a sauce? No, I'm not drinking during the week. I love not during the week, but on the weekend, oh boy. Yeah, um, wine time. So they were an accepted part of mining life. And from what I've understood reading and listening that the miners would hear the knocking and be like, Oh, there's a Tommy knockers. And a lot of times they would actually make their mining decisions based on sounds that they heard or feelings that they had. And it's very interesting because the Tommy knockers are one of those entities that walks the line between good and evil. Mm -hmm. Like we do, Mm -hmm. you and I, they're pesky and awful and, you know, and harbingers of doom, but they also felt that it was good to have them around. Well, aren't leprechauns like that? I don't know anything about leprechauns. I think leprechauns, and I'd like to, it's actually on my to-do list. I'd like to bring the legend of leprechauns. My understanding of them is that they're very much the same way. They can be finicky. You can easily piss them off. And if you do, that could mean serious trouble for you. But they can also be really helpful and bring you good luck, you know? Yeah, I don't know anything. I only know Hollywood leprechauns, you know, like Lucky Charms. Well, going back to Neil Gaiman, and uh, and in fact, this whole story reminds me a lot of American gods, how the beliefs are brought from the the old country to here, and those gods then take on life in this new land, you know? I think that's kind of cool. Don't remember that book at all. You know, I don't like it. Well, you were into heavy drugs. <laughs> I've never been into heavy drugs. What a terrible rumor. Well, it's I, I do you know why? Know do you know why? I'm too cheap to ever have been into heavy drugs. Well, the, what I heard is that you were huffing gasoline. Oh, God. You know, you don't walk away from that on damage. Do you remember when I, I caught you in a parking lot with the and you had pried someone's little gas? Okay, you have to stop right now because someone out there is going to believe that. Someone out there is going to be like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. No, but it could also be true. I don't want to upset. Maybe someone's lost someone. That That's actually a terrible... Because uh, there are a lot of people that are addicted to that. I didn't know anything about Huffers until I watched Intervention, mm-hmm. which I was addicted to for like two years. And that's a terrible thing. That show? I can't watch it because it hits too close to home. Why? Why? Uh, because of the, the work that I do oh, in right, my right, right, other right, life. Right. right. Yeah. Well, Intervention is the most exploitative, exploitative, mm-hmm. exploitive show in the entire world. Mm-hmm. In the entire world. Even worse mm-hmm. than like my 600 pound wedding. Well, I was going to say, what's that uh, doctor that does uh, re- celebrity rehab? Oh, Dr. God. Drew. They're all so awful. Those people are awful. Yeah, they really are. Or Dr. Phil. That is basically my story for this week. But I got to tell you, I endured something horrible to do the research for this podcast. I had to watch an episode of a show from the Travel Channel, I believe, <laughs> called Fucking Ghost Adventures. And it was an hour. And in one of the Ghost Adventures, it's uh, season 13, so this has been going on for a while, episode one. They visited the Phoenix Mine, and apparently during this visit, they obtained proof of the existence of Tommyknockers. They actually saw one. Really? Oh, yeah. I saw it. It was okay. a little blurb on their screen, and um, uh-huh. the proof was also they heard faint knocks, which were 
captured by the recording equipment that this uh-huh. weird guy built for them. That was the most god awful show. Like, I don't understand how something like that can run for 13 seasons. Dan, it was everything that we make fun of in those Ghost Hunter shows. Describe the image that they produced. Well, they were looking at it through a screen. So it was a line drawing of a stick man going, boop, 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 boop. What? And they were like, look, there's something standing on my phone. And this special camera is seeing it. It's a little stick man going, boop, 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 boop. You have to see it to understand. It was just... I just I wanted to throw something at the TV. It was and, and finding it was awful too because I'm in Canada and it's an American show and I tried to buy it from Amazon and I couldn't oh. because I'm in Canada. So I had to go and I had to find a version uh, that somebody posted where they reversed the image so that it won't yeah. get caught by the copyright police. So everything was backwards and. There's these two women that go into the mine. They're like, there's something here. And they're the coarse or exact kind of woman that you think is going to, you know, say, oh, my God, you know, there's a ghost here. But the good part of it was is they interviewed the owner of the mine, this Mosh guy, and uh, Mosh, Mosh, whatever. And he filled in a lot of the gaps in my research side, especially about the murder by of that right. guy who right. murdered those two guys. But God, those shows are awful. And I don't understand how they thrive. And of course, the whole team is in black, and they're all slightly goth, and they're very irreverent about it. And they're, you know, it's, it's oh my god! And one of them, at one point, they see these ghostly eyes in the distance, and then it's just a raccoon. I think these shows are successful because they're clickbait, right? They promise big things, mm-hmm. and they slowly dole out the content so that you're always waiting for the next commercial break to end so that you can get to the, oh, now I'm going to finally... You're absolutely right because during this video, they kept doing the coming up, like break. There would be a break in the continuity and we'd like coming up and then they would show somebody like, oh my God, oh my God. And then it wasn't like really anything at all. It was just like, you know, oh my God, I tripped. And And then it's the whole reality TV thing that people want mindless content. They don't want to think they're tired, they're exhausted, and they just want something dumb on the uh, on the television. Well, if you want mindless, there it is, Ghost Adventures. I'm sure that I pissed off a lot of people who think this show is the be-all and end-all. Sorry about that. My opinion only. I'm an opinionated guy, but that's how I feel. Uh, can I go back to the Tommy Knockers? I'm not done. Can I, can, can I finish my last two sentences? Or do you want to... No, let's do that now. Yeah, let's do that. And then I have two more things to talk about the Phoenix mine. Okay. Go ahead. Sure. Now, do miners today in the big industrial complex that is modern mining, do they still have these beliefs, like these fundamental beliefs that Tommy Knockers are with them down in the mines? No, probably because mining has changed so significantly. Mm-hmm. No one would be mining the way that Phoenix mine was mined. Well, you look at, 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 like I've seen footage of the mines in part of the world that we live. There are mines, extensive mines about five hours north of us in an area uh, called Sudbury and Timmins and places like that. And I've seen footage of what they're driving like massive machinery down in these shafts it's like a city almost it down is there. it is it's mm-hmm. it's completely electrified there's things to uh check for gas there's a lot of robotic mining now too there's a lot of machines that just can automatically dig it's just not what it once was it was a very dangerous dangerous occupation and for that reason of course there's gonna be a lot of superstition attached to it Uh, And I wonder too, then, if there's any similar, and I'm not not trying to put you on the spot because, again, I know how hard it can be to research. I've been in your shoes. But I wonder if there's research, uh, sorry, if there's stories 
elsewhere in the world, like in the mines of Africa. I told you, Germany. Germany, but I mean like, but Germany and, and England, England is a Germanic, they're Germanic people, right? They're Angles and Saxons, okay? And Jutes. I think probably there are. I, I ran across something that said that this is not an uncommon legend, like this kind of thing, entities in mines. I mean, really, of course. Mm-hmm. You're down in the dark bowels of the earth. Of course, you're going to be a bit freaked out by it and you're going to come up with stories and legends. Right. Yeah. Cool. So I have to say, Stephen King, I love you, but you completely misled me on this one. Why Why would he do, why would he call it Tommyknockers if it has nothing at all to do with Tommyknockers? Well, knockers? I guess it kind of did. Remember she was digging and uncovered the ship, oh, I yeah, guess? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a bit of a stretch. I don't know. I would rather a story about mining called the Tommyknockers because, mm-hmm. but okay, I'll forgive him. Because he gets a pass. He gets a pass. He's he, he wrote the stand. He gets a pass. I thought you would love this, so I put this in just for you, Dan. There's an object in the Phoenix mine known as the Lucky Bucket. And it's still there, and people touch it. Some even kiss it or hug it, and they do that for luck. So when you go to the Phoenix mine, you're encouraged to visit the Lucky Bucket. I've kissed the Blarney Stone. Oh, God. In fact, you did a recreation of the Blarney Stone uh, at my wedding. I, I'm You're not right, kidding. We did. Yes, we did. Oh my god! You, you, because at my wedding, my wife and I had set up every table uh, was a place that we had been. So your table would have been Blarney, and so you had to get to get us to kiss. You had to do something from the that part of the world, and you guys did kissing the Blarney Stone. I've known people who've gone there, and they said the line was outrageous. I don't, I don't remember. The, I thought it was kind of cool, and uh, you know what? My one of my favorite things about that trip, like the that day, the city bus ride to the castle. Oh, we sat near the front, and the bus driver was so kind and jovial. At one point, he stopped his bus, just pulled over to the side, went into like a, a gas station convenience store, and bought himself an ice cream. And another ice cream for this little old woman and gave it to her. I think he jokingly said, you want an ice cream? And she kind of laughed and then he came and he had, he gave her an ice cream. It was just a nice, it was like typical, our, our, our typical Irish experience. You never see that in North America. Oh God, no. Well, Dan, that is my story and I'm sticking to it. That's a fun, cute story. I like that story, especially on the heels of the dark, (laughs) terrifying one from last week. We needed we needed a palate cleanser after that we one. We needed a palate cleanser. It was cute. Yeah. I liked them. I liked that idea. I like the idea of the Tommy knockers and they're like I said, they're from kind of the realm of fairy and they're these little and I love that yeah. the Cornish the men from Cornwall who were and I learned a lot, who were expert miners, brought the legend and uh, brought the myth with them and it took hold. It took root. Very good. I love that. Yeah, me too. And now we can all look at the uh, Stephen King novel differently. I'm gonna put it in the fireplace. <laughs> I've only read it I once. I'm, it's right up there. I'll never read it I again. I read it once. And I saw the movie and it was not that good. I never saw it. It was a made-for-TV movie, which are never... Generally, I stay away from Stephen King movies. Oh, some of them are good. What? Like what? Like Dolores Claiborne, like Misery. Misery was very Carrie, good. Carrie, which is, I think, the best. Okay, Carrie's good. Yeah. yeah, there's a few. Every now and then they'll hit it. They'll they'll nail it. And I did like uh, The Shining, the Kubrick Shining. I did not. I didn't like the TV. I liked Dr. Sleep. 
I loved Dr. Sleep. Director's Cut, though. You have to watch the Director's Cut. Okay. We don't want to bore people with our nonsense. Like we always say, folks, all we ask is that you listen, subscribe, share. We love doing what we do. We love that you join us for this journey. You know, if you want to tell people about it, go ahead. But just stay with us for the journey because we've got a lot more coming your way. Uh, anything else, Dan? No, just, uh, you know, keep on listening and reach out to us. If, uh, you know, there's story ideas you'd like us to cover, uh, we listen and uh, we will always uh, be very gracious with that. And if we can, we will do your story. We love it when you reach out to us. Like, I'm not kidding. I'm not exaggerating. It makes my day like I'll send Dan a, a message going, oh, my God, did you see somebody posted and actually mentioned this or blah, 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 blah. I like it because it just shows that people are engaged. And I love that. I just... I'm lonely. I'm lonely and I need that. This platform, we have no way of sensing what our audience is taking from these uh, shows. Yeah. So when they do reach out, it uh, it's it's a, like you said, it's much appreciated. Always makes me smile. Always. So, uh, yeah, if you're out there, uh, we love you. Uh, folks in Florida, stay strong. You'll get through this. Yeah, that's all I have to say. And uh, so I'm Riley Stewart. I'm Dan Lajwa. Good night. Good night, everybody.